Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is the 411 from 406. My name is Chewy, and I'm joined once again by my brother from another mother, Mr. Pip. How are you, sir? I'm fantastic. I'm back in my favorite yeah. place. I'm podcasting, and it's our first one of 2023. How about that? Indeed. Indeed. Happy New Year. How, how, have, you, how have you been? Good. Good. Everything's yeah. good here. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? We, I guess... Maybe apologies are in order. We we kind of teased the idea of trying to do a podcast before the end of the year, uh, you know, for all our millions and millions of listeners. And unfortunately, with the holidays and the schedules and the things and the stuff, we never really got around to it. So, you know, apologize for that, because I, I very much would have liked to have done that, but it would have been kind of tough to fit it in, at least my schedule, I assume, probably the same for you. Yeah, for sure. It was, yeah, the holidays are... So it's just, you know, like we're we're all busy all year round and then the holidays come and you're off of school and you're off of work. And if it's possible, it gets busier and more crazy, right? Because it's you've got holiday parties and families and get togethers and people that are in from out of town. And and then for us, I threw in a second case of COVID. My oldest show boy, off. Right. My oldest boy threw in a second case of COVID. The two days before the new year, uh, my wife and two boys, we had a case of food poisoning, which is always fun. Yeah. So it was, I, I didn't have a ton of time. I wouldn't have had a, t- had a ton of time anyway. So it was, um, but I'll tell you, it's like, it's like you mentioned before we started recording, I, I hate to say it, but I'm kind of glad to be kind of back to, to reality, right? That's not yeah. that I didn't enjoy that time off at all, but a little bit of normalcy was kind of what I was craving. It feels like it. Yeah, same here. I think when I get out of my routines, I, I tend to get a little bit flustered and, and not really sure what to do with myself or my day. And it's just easier to sort of know what I've got ahead of me. And that that makes all the difference in terms of my sanity. So getting the girls back to school, getting myself back to work, I think has has kind of helped create that consistency again and finally getting used to it. But before... We get too much further. Let's let's get caught up a little bit on what we've been doing pop culture wise, or or I guess maybe more specifically movie wise, because I think that there's been some stuff going on. And I think the season was a pretty good one for watching movies, getting caught up on some of that stuff and television shows and stuff like that. I'm kind of curious. Did you have any time uh, in your in your downtime to or in your sick time, for that matter, to (laughs) catch up on any television movies? Did you see anything that you want to talk about? I did. As a matter of fact, two things specifically that I wanted to kind of bring up and bring to your attention. One, uh, as a as a follow up from our last episode on your recommendation, we sat down and we watched as a family 8-Bit Christmas. Oh, nice. Yeah, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Good. As, as I Yeah, as I think you thought that I would. For those of you that are not aware with that movie, and I wasn't, it's a, what, 2021, 2020 movie? Um, Neil Patrick Harris, and basically he's telling the story of he wanted a, a Nintendo very bad when he was growing up, and it's kind of this entire quest about he goes and and goes after his Nintendo, 
I don't remember exactly what you said at the end of the last podcast when we were discussing that, but you said something to the effect of how it's not that there's a twist, but like there's, there's, there's kind of some feels in it. And the, at the end, and, and you're right there, yeah. there is, it's great. I won't spoil it. I was very satisfied with, with the resolution. Uh, if that makes any sense, I was, yeah. I was very satisfied because, because candidly, it wasn't what I was expecting. I thought for sure yes. it would end in one way and it didn't. And I was very happy that it didn't. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what I liked about it. And I was so excited when I was done watching that movie for the first time, having, having sort of found another Christmas movie, you know, because obviously year after year, we sort of watched the same ones, the ones that we talked about on the last podcast, Scrooge and Christmas Vacation and Christmas Story. It was really nice to find a, a newer, more modern, well, I call it modern, but the, the, the movie is obviously about stuff that happened in the 80s. But it's uh, it's a newer movie that basically, I think, really holds up well with some of the other ones. And that's why it ended up on my on my list last week. And I'm just excited to have something new to put in the rotation when the holidays come around again next year. For sure. Yeah. And, 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 and you were right. That was a movie that, that my kids could, could watch and enjoy, which is just rare these days that, you know, when I, you know, I've got a, you know, 16 year old, a 14 year old and an eight year old. It's just very rare that we can sit down and, and find something that actually holds everybody's attention even for an hour and a half. So that was um, that right there in and of itself w- was a win for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's good. How about how about you? Any any movie watching recently? Yeah, so there was a little bit. There was I did go see the new Avatar movie and okay. I was sort of hesitant about it just because I felt like this the first one was way overrated and certainly not worthy of being the biggest box office of yeah. all time type movie. But you know, I rewatched the first one recently before the second one came out, and I actually liked it. I thought it was good. I was able to appreciate it a little bit more. And then I went to go see the second one. And, you know, I think it goes without saying that you can expect a visual spectacle when you go see a James Cameron movie, especially mm-hmm. this one, which literally took 13 years to make and $400 million or some insane budget like that. Right. And so you're going to, if you see this movie, you're going to certainly agree that it is one of the most well-made movies from a technological perspective the the scenery is gorgeous the motion capture on the faces is beyond anything we've ever seen before it looks great but that's kind of where my compliments stop and the criticism starts because the story is just it for me personally the story leaves a lot to be desired and yeah. the, the dialogue is just kind of borderline terrible to be honest and james cameron for all that he does well, dialogue doesn't usually fit on that list for him. And I, I think it shows even worse here. And it's just, it's, it was kind of a letdown. It's still a good movie in the sense that I would recommend everybody seeing it. I don't know that it would have a lot of replay value for me because I think that the most impressive part about it is just the, the visuals and the immersiveness of this world. But once you sort of get through that once, I, I don't think there's a lot of meat on the bones of this movie. And that's, yeah. that's kind of disappointing. Do you think that is because this is like the next, like setting up, what has he got? He's got three or four more movies coming, something like that? Yeah, so the third one's already in the can. Like, it's done. It's done in terms of filming. They have literally two years of special effects work 
to do on wow. the film before it comes out because James Cameron notoriously is very particular about the special effects. And I believe he has his own special effects studio and does all that stuff in house. He doesn't farm anything out because he wants complete quality control over everything that's going on. So the movie's done, but it's going to take them two more years to get the, the special effects done. So yes, he's got the third one in the can. That one's definitely coming out. The fourth one, I think is going to be dependent upon how this second one has done. So Disney is to the point right now where they're saying, well, we're going to, we're going to start why Yeah. We realized your first movie was one of the biggest movies of all time. We expect the second one to make a lot of money, but you know, we're going to, we're going to wait at that point to kind of figure it out. And it's interesting because James Cameron, I think has come out to say the avatar sequel, the second one that's out in the theaters right now has to hit $2 billion to break even you know, just to break even. So the movie itself only costs 400 million, but of course everything else that goes into making that movie yeah. and, and the advertising and all that stuff involved with the studio, he apparently has to hit $2 billion to break even. Now he's got, I think a billion and a half already, like it's already hit over a billion worldwide. So, I mean, he's, he's doing good with it, whether it has the staying power to keep going or not. I don't know. I really don't think so because I think, word of mouth is going to get around that yeah it's great to look at but there's not really much else to it in my opinion yeah i'm, I'm actually looking right now so yeah it's already it's already made 1.517 billion dollars which is just staggering to me i'll be honest with you i didn't enjoy the first like I, when the first time i saw the first one i was bored to tears i i literally i was just and that was in the theater yeah. And and I know that that movie looked great and blah, blah, blah. And now I will say I went back relatively recently and before our trip to Disney, actually, and rewatched the original and kind of like you, I, I enjoyed it much better that second time around. And I probably will. I don't know. I was gonna say, I probably will go see this, this new one, but I don't really have any desire to, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it, it's I, just not a world that I, that I really care to go back to if that makes any sense yeah no i totally get that and and i think that there's nothing about this movie that's going to make you like it more than the first one if if you're sort of lukewarm on that now a lot of people would certainly disagree with me but that's yeah. that's that's kind of where i sit on it but i wanted to talk about something else that i've been watching too yeah i i picked up i started to re-watch the loki series on disney plus okay and I did so because, you know, we're starting, I think, what is the beginning of Marvel's phase five this year with this new Ant-Man movie that's coming out. Yep. And Ant-Man three or Ant-Man Mania, I think is what it's called, is going to introduce or I guess he's been introduced, but it's going to reintroduce or, or maybe for the first time establish the new Thanos, the new bad guy in mm -hmm. the Marvel universe. And this bad guy was first sort of dropped. He, he appeared the first time in this Loki series. And at that time, when it first came out, we didn't know who necessarily it was going to be. Uh, his name is Kang the Conqueror, I believe. I, I didn't read comics when I was young, so I don't really know much about this character. But I'm, I'm really hopeful. I don't know if I'm going to say excited, but I'm hopeful that with this new Ant-Man movie and this, this movement towards this new bad guy in this new overarching series of stories that will hopefully come together that we get 
a better result because phase four for Marvel to me was kind of a giant letdown. Mm-hmm. And it, it's hard to be super critical about Marvel because they have done so well. The first three yeah. phases were so good, ending with the Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. But I mean, the films that came out in phase four, Black Widow, Shang-Chi, the Eternals, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, Thor, Love and Thunder, and the new Black Panther. Like, I just didn't, I, I, it didn't, none of them had the magic of anything that had come before that. The only exception to that is the very obvious exception, Spider-Man No Way Home, was a phenomenal movie. And arguably, I don't know, sits up there with the Avengers movies for me. I thought it was a fantastic movie. And that was the first movie, I believe, of phase four, if I'm not mistaken. But it just, yeah, it, it really kind of crapped out for me. And and yeah, the, this is also the first phase where they incorporated a lot of Disney shows, WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, Hawkeye, Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, She-Hulk. But like all of it was just filler. It just kind of felt really blah. And there wasn't really much that helped push the story forward. Like we have had so much content since Thanos died and, and we still don't know where any of this is going. Yeah. So this is my really long winded way of saying, I, I hope that 2023 gives us the excitement that we deserve to go back into the Marvel universe and figure out where everything is going. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I'm here's, here's my concern with the future of Marvel. My concern is, so when you watched Infinity Wars and Endgame, those two films, and I guess by extension too, No Way Home, Spider-Man No Way Home, those three films were really the culmination of all the work that you had put in as a movie watcher, right? Yeah. Of all the content previous to that. Oh, sure. Now, those, those films would be good as standalones, but they're nothing compared to if you've put in the work of 22 films, you know, or or all the Spider-Man films or those kind of things. My concern is that to your point, phase four was kind of a bust. And I don't know, because I have a feeling that what they will try to do would be build, you know, phase five and presumably phase six or whatever to kind of the same type of culmination my concern is are enough people going to have put in the work quote unquote to where those films at the end will pay off. I don't know. I can only say for myself, I've seen, you know, bits and pieces of a couple episodes of Loki. I've seen some of the WandaVision stuff, but I like, I didn't watch any moon Knight. I didn't watch the Eternals. I didn't like, there's just a bunch of stuff that I just, I just haven't watched now. Will I go back and, and catch up with all that stuff. If like phase five really starts to pick up. Yeah, maybe. But right now, I don't know about you. Like right now I'm, I'm just not willing to invest that time in what I don't know are really good stories. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't know that there's any reason to rush out to see any of this stuff just yet. I think it seems unfair, but I feel like Marvel almost has to reprove itself to us as fans because See, I mean, phase four was just kind of a giant letdown. It, it didn't push the ball forward and it wasn't exciting. Now, granted, I think we have to give them a little bit of slack because phase four is the first phase that saw us dealing with all of these stories without 
Robert Downey Jr. without Chris mm-hmm. Evans. I mean, we, you know, we don't without have the Avengers, right? Yeah, without the Avengers. And those are the ones that sort of got us started and got us excited about it. So they're trying to continue these stories without two of the most popular characters. I mean, not even arguable. It is objectively uh, the fact that, you know, Iron Man and Captain America were the two biggest characters out of that that whole universe and they're both gone at this point and i no matter what happens i don't really see either of them coming back so it's definitely a challenge we're also dealing with b and c list comic book characters at this point Mm -hmm. you know we're not dealing with the ones that everybody knew growing up we're you know moon knight i mean i've been introduced to so many of these characters for the first time ever and and haven't really known much about them yeah so i don't know we'll see what happens i'm i'm certainly hopeful Marvel with Kevin Feige, they've had more success than they've had failure. So I'm hopeful that they figure out a way or find some sort of magic dust that they can sprinkle on this to to get everybody back into it. Yeah. I will say one other thing that I watched over the break that did not disappoint was the end of the latest Cobra Kai season. Ah, nice. nice. So I'm, I'm caught up. I loved it. I absolutely loved the I way know, right? Cho- it's cho- so good. Cho- Chosen came through. Terry Silver has developed into legitimately one of the best bad guys like ever. He's amazing. I just love the way they continue to push that show forward and make you and give you enough of the old characters for that nostalgia, but they but they don't seem to be leaning on it, right? It's like those those even those old characters are growing and becoming new characters that you care about in a different way. Right. And they've done something that I didn't think that they would be able to do at the beginning. They're making me care about the new characters. Yeah. And I, I just didn't think they'd be able to pull it off. And yeah. I legitimately do. They, so. It's, it's good writing. I mean, I, I'll, it's very cheesy. Like you can't go oh, into it, it oh, thinking sure. it's, yeah. it's necessarily quality writing or brilliant storytelling, but they find a way to, make these stories have so much heart and so much meaning to them that it's hard not to get sucked in. You know, if you can just sort of, you know, put the, your critical glasses aside and just enjoy it for what it is. It's a really fun show and much to my happiness and satisfaction, they have brought pretty much every character that is still alive back from the first three movies and given them something to do and made it relevant and I love that they brought back Terry Silver. I love that they brought back Mike Barnes for a couple episodes mm-hmm. and that that wasn't advertised, but you know, he came back and and it was just really great sort of like what, what a, what a great idea to have Mike Barnes and Johnny Lawrence and Daniel LaRusso team, team up. up, right? Yeah. Like how cool yeah. is that? Even yeah. if some of the decision-making of the characters was a little bit face palmy. Really? Yeah. Really? Sure. Not. Let's just go to his house and murder him or what, <laughs> you know, that towards the end right. of that last series. And it's just yeah. like, I didn't understand why they were doing it, but I didn't care. I was going along for the it ride. I was yeah. loving it. Now, are they, have they announced another, are they done? Or have they announced another season? Is there another one coming? They have announced, I think at least one other season and, and you know, okay. between us, I hope that's the last season because I think yeah. that they're definitely pushing to the point where I don't know what else there is to do. I don't know what other stories there are to tell. Yeah. I don't know how many years there are going to be dojo wars. 
in Fresno well, see, or Reseda that's, or see, whatever. That's, that's that's the thing, right? Yeah, I know that's, so a, entered, I know that's a trigger for you. <laughs> it, well, it is, right? In, in fact, I was say so. Yeah, so if you, if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert! Like they're setting up now. There's this new tournament that they're that both Cobra Kai and all the dojos are trying to get into, and they've all man. It's I don't even know where it is. It's in Japan or it's in somewhere across the pond, I think, and. But again, yeah, you're right. My trigger is there's just not that many children that are that are doing sure. karate. There's sure. just, there's just not. But anyways, yeah. So, uh, but no, I I thought it was great. I was I was pumped to get caught up, and um, yeah, I was I was happy that we can finally talk about it. So yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad you saw it. All right, so we uh, we've chatted we've chatted long enough. It's time uh, time to get to the main event, huh? Let's get going on this. I was I. I, I screwed up our segue and I apologize because I, I was hoping that we could go from Avatar into what we're going to talk about tonight. But I got so excited to talk about Marvel, which I guess in a sense plays in a little bit to, yeah. to what we're doing. So tonight, our top five list is going to be our top five favorite science fiction movies of all time. Now, of course, a couple caveats to this, as there always are. First of all, this is favorite, not best. So odds are we are both going to spit out some really terrible movies. Two of the ones on my list didn't even register on Rotten Tomatoes 150 top <laughs> science fiction movies. So like there's going to be some questionable calls here. So that's caveat number one. Number two is, I mean, let's be honest, if if we were including our favorite science fiction movies with no rules whatsoever, probably most of the list would be consisting of Star Wars movies. So yeah. When, when this idea came up, we said, let's leave Star Wars out of the picture. Let's talk about our favorite science fiction movies that have nothing to do with Star Wars. And I, I'll be honest with you, this was a little bit harder than I thought it was going to be because science fiction as a genre is, I mean, it's huge, right? And there are a lot of questions about what counts as a science fiction movie and what maybe doesn't count like action movies when we did that top five that's pretty easy you know like we could certainly use a, a very specific subset of of films that fit that but science fiction kind of spans a lot of different areas and i'm curious to know how was your experience trying to make this list because you always have like 47 movies that you didn't include in your list and i imagine there were at least that many this time too yeah it's funny that you mention action movies because i i normally like go back and i look at movies that i've included on other lists and i and i didn't do that this time and looking at my list i probably should have because th there might be a, a number or two that are that were on both lists that being said i they they absolutely belong on this list tonight science fiction yeah to me and in fact you're right i mean like there's this this question of what is science fiction in fact i even shot you a text this afternoon and i said well, you know when you get a move it please define science fiction what that means <laughs> i so, looked at that uh, and i went oh fuck how am i gonna do that like i can't right. define science i almost copied a google <laughs> look up and just sent it to you and i mean like right. science fiction is a genre of film where blah 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 and this is gonna sound weird but like if I thought of a movie and it just quote unquote felt like science fiction, then I would, then I would include it is the best way I can describe it. Yeah. Like to me, you know, so yes, there's action in there, you know, obviously things set in space, things set in the future, things that are a science-y or those kind of things, those would all fit, you know, there's, you know, there's things like time travel type movies and those kind of things in my mind that those would fit into a science fiction genre as well. Me personally, I disqualified 
superhero movies from my list. As did I. Okay, because to me, those are superhero movies, right? The the one or two that I would probably have included in this list, I probably would have included Endgame in this list. But again, that's a superhero movie. And it's amazing superhero. And I mentioned it earlier, like it's it's awesome, but it's it's partially because you really had you had to invest all that time, you know, in those other films to make it great. The the five films that I have on my list are standalone films that you can enjoy without if there is another movie in the series, you don't have to have watched it. You don't it doesn't matter. Like you can sit down and watch these movies, at least for me and get enjoyment out of them. And I think you're, you're very smart to once again, point out the difference between best and favorites, because I can, I can guarantee you at least one of mine is not a best at all. (laughs) (laughs) So. Uh, That's great. So, so we're going to go through this list and then we're going to put a little bit of a twist on the honorable mention part. So usually, obviously for those of you who listen, we do honorable mentions, the ones that maybe one or two, that didn't make the top five list, but instead of doing the standard honorable mention call outs, I suggested doing this a little bit differently because as I was going through this list, I found, I don't know, maybe 10 movies that I've never seen that I realize are really reputable and, and yeah. very highly respected in the science fiction film genre. And I thought it'd be kind of fun to just call out, you know, let's pick three movies off of a, off of anybody's list that you haven't seen that, you know, you got to get to at some point because yeah. they seem to be very highly revered as science fiction. Movies. My, I, I'll tell you right now, two of two of my movies are going to piss you off, uh, but I've never seen them. I, I'm <laughs> sure they are. You off. <laughs> I'm sure they are. I, I, I already know where this is going, but anyways, <laughs> so that's what we're talking about tonight. And I'm very excited about it. I think this is going to be fun. So it's uh, it's your topic. So I'll give you the choice. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I will allow you to start this list. I want to hear what your number five favorite science fiction movie of all time is. Okay. So this is a movie that I know we've talked about on the podcast before. I don't know... I don't recall if it was like actually on my list somewhere or if it was an honorable mention or what have you, but I know we've talked about it before. It is a 2010 science fiction film. It is written and directed by a director who is just climbing in my list of all-time great directors, Christopher Nolan. This is Inception. I, I cannot tell you how much I enjoy this film if you're not familiar with it, it's all about Inception. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to hear this right. plot summary. So, 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 in, Inception is the practice of going into somebody's subconscious to make them do something that you want them to do. It's the that's the gro- grossest oversimplification that I can give you, but that's essentially what it is. So, it's there's there's it's all about dreams. It's all about alternate realities. There's some there's a some time travel at play because basically the the deeper in somebody's subconscious you go, the the the, the different effects of time in the quote unquote real world. This is one of those movies that you can watch a hundred different times and like f- catch something new every single time you watch it. So, you know, I had a budget of $160 million, made $836 million at the box office. I believe 
yeah, this, this is my highest box office film on my list. Again, written and directed by Christopher Nolan, stars Leo DiCaprio, Ken Watanabe, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, um, Elliot Page, Tom Hardy, Cillian Murphy, Tom Berenger, Michael Caine. It's just, it, it's it's an awesome cast. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm not really doing it justice in terms of like a plot summary, but if you if you know this movie and if you watch this movie, you'll understand why I can't give you a great plot summary. And it's not even that it's confusing. It's just really difficult to try to like lay out what actually is happening in this movie. But definitely in my mind is a sci-fi movie for sure, because it's just bizarre. And it's one of these that like at the end of it, it's going to have you questioning everything. Number five, Inception. It's a great choice. And I have seen Inception and I'm, Definitely sure that I couldn't articulate it any better than you did. If you held a gun to my head, I'm not sure I could really talk about how, I, I don't know how I could put together, you know, that plot. And I certainly don't know how anybody could conceive of this to begin with. But I remember seeing it in the theaters because at what point in Christopher Nolan's career was this after Dark Knight? So it was in between Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. Okay. So, yeah, so... Which and, makes sense. Yeah. Because I was definitely in a big Christopher Nolan phase at that point because obviously the Dark Knight was brilliant. We've talked about that. He did that other movie called Memento, which was just absolutely mind-blowingly innovative. Yeah. I, I mean, still to this day, it's, a, it's such a crazy mind job of a movie, which... Christopher Nolan is certainly known for. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny that you mentioned Memento because it's like there, there's a lot of not the same kind of tools, but it, there's a lot of that same kind of feeling. When you walk out of watching Inception, you get kind of the same feeling yeah. that you did when you walked out of Memento. It's like this kind of disjointed storytelling methodology. But anyways, I remember liking Inception. I don't necessarily remember understanding most of it. Yeah. So it's one of those movies that I feel like if I can convince myself to revisit the movie, I think I will like it. I think it will get more out of it after every watching. Yeah. I, I remember thinking that I felt like Leonardo was a weird fit for the lead role. I, I don't I mean, not that he was bad. Leonardo DiCaprio was never bad. But I just remember thinking that maybe there was someone who might have fit that a little bit better. But Joseph Gordon-Levitt was great. Yeah, I, I think that's a really great choice. And it's funny. You, you bring that up because I was thinking of one of the movies that I haven't seen that I feel like I need to is that movie called Tenet, which came out yeah. uh, recently. Or it's not recently, but it's a handful of years ago. 2020. Yeah. I, I tried to watch that and I could not follow any of it. I was having a lot of trouble with it. So it's one that I want to revisit at some point because it is also Christopher Nolan. And it is also... I think in the same sort of vein as Memento and Inception, where it's like very sort of surreal, dreamlike, not mm -hmm. sure what's real and what's not, but he does a really good job with it. It's just, it's, it's hard to follow. You have to be all in. It can't be one of those movies you just put on in the background while you're making dinner or whatever. Like you right. gotta be all in, but yeah, overall, I think Inception's a really solid choice. All right, sir. What is your number five favorite sci-fi movie of all time? Okay, well, I feel like you and I know each other well enough. You could probably plot out what I was going to put on my top five list. And this is one that I actually did mention last week in our Christmas episode when we were talking about Joe Dante and Gremlins. And this is the movie Explorers, which came out in 1985. 
This had Ethan Hawke, River Phoenix, Jason Presson, and Amanda Peterson in it. Rotten Tomatoes give it a big old not applicable. It's not on their list anywhere. So I, I did find a Rotten Tomatoes. I think it was just like an editorial by one of the authors, 150 best science fiction movies to watch. So I'm going to reference that throughout this list. This wasn't on there. Doesn't surprise me. The music was by Jerry Goldsmith. I'm going to make it a point to call out who does the music on all of my movies because I love almost every soundtrack and I'm pretty sure I own every soundtrack that's on my list. Jerry Goldsmith was a brilliant composer and this might be, oof, this, be this is going to be a big statement, but this might be my favorite non-John Williams score of all time. It's wow. just, it's really, really, really good. But this movie, you know, came out in the 80s on the heels of Star Wars and many other science fiction movies. But this one is a little bit different. It's about three friends who discover a way to travel into space using science and a tilt-a-whirl and end up meeting some aliens that have been calling them in their dreams. And that's the dumbest thing I've ever said in a, in a single sentence. But it's 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 got so much charm and it's a really fun movie. I don't know that it's not a great movie, but the friendship between the three boys, River Phoenix, Ethan Hawke and Jason Preston is is something that really imprinted itself on me as a kid. And I think when I was a kid, when I in 1985, when I saw this movie, I think I wanted nothing more than to go to space. Right. Like whether it was because of Star Wars or Explorers, or many of the other movies that I saw, I just wanted to go to space, and I wanted to have an adventure. And the idea of being able to do that with two of my best friends, it was a really charming idea. So I loved it. It made less than $10 million on a budget that was twice as much. So you weren't going to see any sequels on it. But that's my that's my number five, Explorers. I, I, Ethan Hawke, doesn't, he doesn't look back favorably on this movie. And I don't really think Joe Dante does either. There was a lot of footage that got cut and I think the movie changed studios like halfway through production or something. There's a lot of stuff that was going on, but you know, ultimately it's not going to be in anybody else's top five, but I, I've got a lot of, uh, a lot of feels for this movie. It's got a lot of heart. And so that's why it ended up on my list. No, it, you know what? It, I, I love that this one showed and I knew, yeah, I knew that this one would show up on your list. I can't say that I've ever sat down and watched it like all the way through. I'm sure I've seen it. I'm sure I've seen bits, you know, back in the day in college or prior to that or whatever. And, and again, maybe I have, but it's if I have, it's been decades since I've sat down and watched it. But you know what? I, it, it might be actually a good flick that I could sit down and maybe watch with my youngest, my youngest boy. He might, he might really enjoy it. So I, yeah, I'll have to. Yeah. It's pretty dated, but it, yeah, I mean, you might try that. I think it's, it's kind of fun in that respect, but this is definitely one of those movies that I would not tell you to go see. You know, I, right. I might, I, I might suggest, Hey, go watch eight bit. I know that you're going to like it. Right. This is one of those movies where it was just, it's clearly something that's near and dear to my heart yeah. because I watched it like every day from 1985 right. to 1987. Right. Because it just, it just, you know, I connected with it for whatever reason. And, and that was just more of a personal thing. I sure this is, this is like me liking poison, you know, like I'm not going to tell yeah. anybody to go out to buy the next <laughs> poison album, but I'm going to fucking rock out to it when I hear it, you know, that. Yes. All right. So, sure. so enough about explorers, yes. sir, give me your number four. My number four is by a director that we've actually talked about already quite a bit on this podcast. This is a 1991 science fiction movie directed by the one and only James Cameron. This is 
1991's Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Did we ever have we done the the, the episode of sequels that are better than the original? Have we done that yet? We have certainly talked about that. Yeah. And yes, this I mean, is, well, th- this is one. Th- I mean, th- this is one of them. T2 it could, is a, it could be yeah. the best sequel ever made. It could yeah. be. It's arguable, yeah. but it's definitely on the list of contenders for the best sequel yeah. ever. I mean, so I, I can't I can't fathom that there's anybody that doesn't know this movie, but it stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, Linda Hamilton, Robert Patrick, and Edward Furlong. Schwarzenegger plays the Terminator once again. Robert Patrick plays the the liquid metal T-1000. So there's time travel in here. John Connor, he's the leader of the resistance. The Terminators come back to kill him in his youth. This is a movie that, you know, another movie that where Cameron came back to it years and years and years later. Yeah. Right. Seven years later, I think. Seven. Yeah. And again, I mean, I, I don't I don't think there's really any question that this is a superior film to the 1984 version. It was groundbreaking in what it did from a from a cinematography perspective, from a just a visual perspective with what they did with the, the Terminator, what the T-1000, the liquid metal. But it's a but it's an awesome story. I mean, it yes, there's some there's some time travel in here at the very beginning, which is a little bit wonky. Like once you try to kind of figure out, okay, who's doing what and those kind of things. But once once you get to that, and that's really only maybe the first 10 minutes of the movie or so, I mean, this is just a, a balls to the wall action movie, and it's it's amazing. The tech in this movie, which is kind of where it goes into that science science fiction mode is amazing it's just it's this is arnold as at his best in my opinion and i just i love this flick i i couldn't possibly say anything different i mean you hit it right on the head arnold is great in this movie james cameron absolutely revolutionized technology with this it is more than a worthy sequel it is a superior it if I'm just talking, you know, from the perspective of what's a better movie, absolutely. This is a better movie than the original. You know, having Guns N' Roses in this movie, that song was was spectacular. I think it's a one of the things that I feel like gets overlooked, which is really smart about this movie, is that Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator in the original movie was the bad guy. In mm-hmm. this movie, he's the good guy, but they don't unveil that right away. So as Linda Hamilton is running through that hospital and she's being chased and she knows that Arnold Schwarzenegger is there and then she confronts him for the first time, which, you know, for me is such a memorable scene. Like I, there's something about that scene that is so hugely impactful for me. Like she just sort of collapses like it feels yeah, like they it, do it, they do it in slow motion they do it in slow like, motion yeah. it feels like a dream that i've had when i've been really scared about something in a dream but she sees him and she just like her body goes limp and she falls down and she loses her breath and she just scrapes to get back up and runs away and it's not until you know a minute or two later that she realizes that he's actually there to help her and it, it's just a, a really great sort of way to flip the 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 story on its on its head and and take a different approach and oh god everything about that movie is so good the action is great the the cgi is great the story is great time travel movies are always kind of a little bit hit and miss because time travel as a 
a fictional technology is, you know, it, you can poke holes in anything. Well, why would you do it this way? Or what would happen right. if this, but this movie is so good. We don't really care about all those obnoxious little plot holes. And I can say, and I might've said so on this podcast before. I can't honestly remember right now. This was the first rated R movie that my dad ever took me to see. Oh, nice. And, and I was not 17 yet. And it was awesome. It was the greatest, greatest experience in the world seeing this movie. I just remember walking out thinking, holy shit. It's, it's, yeah. this is amazing. Chill out. Dickwad. So that's, that is a spectacular choice. All right, sir. What do you have for your number four? So my number four is yet another movie that does not appear anywhere on the Rotten Tomatoes radar. And this is another one you will absolutely predict accurately that will be on my list, but I did put it lower. This is 1984's The Last Starfighter. This is a movie that I have been obsessed with probably, well, obviously, more so than Explorers for a very long time. This was directed by Nick Castle, which for you horror movie fans might be thinking, hmm, I've heard that name before. Nick Castle played Michael Myers in the original Halloween movie. Featured uh, Lance Guest, who has not been in a lot of stuff, has a recognizable face. You might have seen him in Jaws 4 or uh, a couple other movies somewhere along the way. Dan O'Herlihy, who is in RoboCop. Uh, Catherine Mary Stewart, who you may remember from Weekend at Bernie's. And Robert Preston, who is in The Music Man, music by Craig Safon, or if I'm saying that right, I honestly don't know. He hasn't done a whole lot of other things, but damn, this score is really good, too. Really, really, really good. Very anthemic. It features a young kid named Alex Rogan, who, by the way, does not look like a young kid. He looks like he might be 29 years old. He is a kid dying to get out of a trailer park, and after getting the high score on an arcade game of the same name, He's recruited by an alien played by Robert Preston to, to go into space and, and fight the Codan Armada, which is, it's just the fucking nerd. I'm surprised I ever got laid, to be honest. It's, <laughs> it's, just, but it, you know, the movie's about video games, which is clearly right up my alley. It, it's not a terribly <laughs> subtle, clever ripoff of Star Wars. I mean, this was obviously in the mid eighties. This was a year after Return of the Jedi. So there's a lot of Star Wars to this, but I will say that it had very cutting edge technology, the CGI and sort of the computer graphics specifically with this was really good, but it's another one just like Explorers. I just love the movie. It makes me feel good. It's the, it's one of the ones that I watched over and over and over. I used to have, and I'm sure this was you too, but when we were kids, obviously VCRs and, and VHS tapes were the, the method of watching a lot of these movies. And I used to have VHS tapes you could put about three movies on one tape and I had like explorers and last starfighter on the same tape. So I would literally day after day, watch them all back to back. My, my parents probably let me watch way too much television, but this was always one of the staples Uh, last starfighter, 1984. This was one of those that, yeah, I, again, another movie that I probably haven't seen in, in 25 or 30 years, but this one I've seen, I've seen multiple times. And I always thought just the premise of this movie that you could get so good at a video game <laughs> that you would that you would get recruited to an off world, you know, army, I thought is was yeah. just the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. And I was just and like it always it always really resonated me with me because I was like, oh, yeah, like that makes perfect sense. Like you're good at this video game. Like that's what they're looking yeah. for, you know, and and, you know, fast forward. 
30 years and we've got drones that are killing people from, you know, 6,000 miles away and this, that, and the other thing. <laughs> yeah. So there's, you know, I mean, it's, it's, um, I, and I'm sure they're thinking about last starfighter when they're doing it, but yeah, it, it is, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I could totally, I could totally see why this one is on your list. It really, it makes me very happy that you've got these movies on your list that you love and you know that maybe other people might not love because I have one, at least one of them that nobody fucking loved, but it's like, it's yeah. So like, yeah. I'm very happy to see these movies on your list. That's well, awesome. the rest of my list is going to get very predictable, I think yeah. uh, in terms of popularity, but I will say just to tag this on one of my favorite possessions, I, I do collect movie posters. It's one of my favorite things to do. And thanks to my buddy, Chris, he hooked me up with a guy who got me, a one sheet rolled last starfighter uh, original movie poster. So this one is actually from 1984. It has never been folded, which is insane because most movie posters, when they left the theater, got folded up in the squares. And if you can find one that's not folded, it's usually much more valuable. I don't think this poster is really worth much just because nobody really remembers this movie, but it's a beautiful poster that's in great shape and it is you know, as old as it is 30 years old at this point. So wait, 1984, what year am I in? Almost 40 years old. Yeah. So this years old. Yeah. yeah. So almost 40 years old. So yeah. it's, it's great. I have it in my basement next to my Indiana Jones and the temple of doom poster, which is folded, but uh, yeah, so that's it. That's my, that's my pick, but Hey, enough about my, my goofy, unimportant to rotten tomatoes movies Give me your number three. My number three is a movie that I know we've talked about in the podcast. My my number three, I think, is probably, arguably, certainly of my movies, I think is probably the most influential movie on my list. And that's saying something coming after Terminator 2 Judgment Day. This is had a budget of $63 million and made $460 million. This is a 1999 film written and directed by the Wachowskis. This is the matrix. Nice. So I think it's pretty well documented at this point. I'm like a huge Keanu Reeves, like nerd. I I love, I love as you should. Yeah. I mean, yeah, not now I will say it, but it bums me out that, I, I actually have not seen sitting, 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 I haven't sitting, sat all the way through the new matrix, the, the last entry into this series. Yeah. There, there's, but there's reasons for that. And I'll get to them in a minute, but I want to talk about the matrix. Not 1999. It is a, it depicts a dystopian future where essentially humans are batteries and they are being grown by the machine. So the machines have taken over, and we are nothing but cannon fodder for for the machines and the matrix we come to find out is essentially the world that you and i know we are essentially living in a simulation and there's this group of humans that has learned how to plug in and plug out and they've got all these kind of superhuman you know abilities and those kind of things if there's one movie that is is epitomizes quote-unquote science fiction on my list this is the one i mean this has kind of every every single kind of mind-bending warping thing that that i think about when i think about science fiction it's got the action it's got the the mind bending 
And it's just a, it's an amazing movie. The story is outstanding. And this one really holds up. I, I showed this to my older boys about a year ago and they absolutely loved it. The, what they're doing from a cinematography standpoint, from a filming standpoint, like to this day, you know, you see bullet time, quote unquote, in, it seems like every other movie, right? Yeah. I just, I can't say enough great things about the matrix. So I think we, this might be a landmark moment for us. We have actually matched our number three picks. Um, My number three is also the matrix. Outstanding. Uh, yeah, and, and you covered it top to bottom. Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss, Lawrence Fishburne, Joey Pants, Hugo Weaving, music by Don Davis. This is a really good score, too. Yes, like, it is. A really yeah. good score. And I don't know what else Don Davis has done, to be honest. But, man, this is a really good score. You can watch the movie in your head when you listen to this music. Rotten Tomatoes put this as number six on, on the top 150 movies. Okay. This movie is so, so good. It's a crying shame that it has three very mediocre sequels but i think you know and you touched on this the idea of introducing the population to the idea of a simulation to to us all being in a simulation i think really kind of messed with a lot of people's brains and and you know I'll, i'll throw myself in there too like there's a lot of people today who think maybe maybe we are in a simulation you know like there's there are people who legitimately believe that and I have to think that it was largely in part due to this movie because nobody ever talked about that. Like there was no concept of of the Matrix or a Matrix or a simulation or us being in some sort of a predetermined technological world, you know, that kind of thing. And so this really kind of brought it to the forefront and how brave of the Wachowskis to write this story and to create this and not only that, but put kick-ass special effects around it. I mean, so, oh, the, so good. The, the camera work that was done, I mean, it reshaped science fiction. I don't think it's an overstatement to say that. I, it reshaped the science fiction genre. And I agree 100%. It is such a fucking good movie. It is rewatchable. I almost wish they just never made a sequel. I, I, I would mean, agree. I agree. We we would be talking about how much of a crime it would be that they never made a sequel. If that were the case, <laughs> right. we'd be bitching either way. But I, I can honestly say, like, it is the most perfect self-contained science fiction movie that I think I've ever seen. It's that uh, yeah, good. I, I agree. We shit on those sequels. And the, the here's what I don't like about the sequels. I don't like the quote unquote real world yes. portions of those movies. Exactly. The, mat- the matrix stuff in those movies, in those sequels is amazing. Yeah. It's great. I mean, e- even the stuff with the, the key master, not the key master, the, 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 um, <laughs> you know, but like the, yeah. like, all yeah, of, yeah. like all of those characters, that stuff is confusing the first time you watch it, but it's, it's enthralling though. What yes. I hate about those sequel movies is like the real world you dystopian. It's it's essentially, it's a war movie. And that's what I don't like about those, yeah. about those sequels. If it's, you could just give me a matrix movie that was just like the matrix part of it, I'd be all in. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. I think the shift in tone from, you know, this glossy matrix and, and knowing Kung Fu and getting helicopter blueprints uploaded to your, brain that kind of thing is super fascinating and really interesting and then you get back to the city of zion which is where they're all at in reality and 
you know, they're all using sticks to fight machines. I mean, it's, it's right. basically, it's, it's just such a different tone and it's not fun and it's not exciting. And it's, it's just, that's where I kind of wish they would have thought through in a better way how to do yeah. this. And, and it turns, you know, it, it turns into avatar. Yeah. It's what, yeah. what it turns into, right. I mean, it, yeah. it does. Yeah. And it's, it's disappointing. <laughs> and I kind of wish they would have left it alone. The fourth one's not terrible, but it's, it's not going to change your mind. Yeah. It's so it's not going to change so, your yeah. life. So I mentioned the fourth one. Um, I, I want to see the fourth one and I want to see the fourth one. If I'm being honest, partially out of reverence to Keanu Reeves, because I, oh, I, feel, for like sure. I, I feel like I owe it to Keanu Reeves to right. say it's a silly, but, but I do. Um, it's not silly. You and I have yeah. mad love for Keanu yeah. as everybody should, because yeah. is he the best actor in the world? God, no, he's no, he can't do a, an accent if he had a gun to his head. But I mean, he's in some of the most fun movies I've ever seen. Yeah. And he does, if he stays in his swim lane, nobody does it better than him. Right. I mean, he's still right. selling action at whatever age he is. He's in his mid fifties at least. And he's doing John Wick movies and he's doing all these, all oh, this stuff. I cannot wait for John Wick four. I, I, I just, I just fucking can't great. Wait. It's yeah. fucking great. Yeah. And I just love it. And, and of course there's the whole, you know, everything that everybody says about Keanu outside of his life and movies is that he's just like this, this super nice and very kind, benevolent yeah. human being. And it's, it's hard not to love him. And, and we should celebrate that. Like we should hope that that's actually true because a lot of people are just dipshits and, yeah. and I don't feel like that's him. And, and wow, that's, that's yeah. just cool. All right. So let's see. So I did my number three, which was also your number three. You so did like my number to... three. So I'm so... sorry. That's okay. That's okay. You, we, we, we steal from each other all the time, but yeah. I'm kicking it back to you for your number okay. two. I think this is where our lists are done converging. <laughs> I think my number two, I don't think is going to be your on, on your list. And I know my number one is not. Okay. Um, so... I can't wait for this. It's going to be so fun. So my number two had a hundred million dollar budget made $121 million. So it was certainly not a, a box office success. It was by a director who I find myself coming back to. And and I know, and we've talked about him several times on this podcast. This is by Paul Verhoeven. Mm. This is a 1997 film called Starship Troopers. Wow. That's a bold choice. I like it. I fucking love this movie the sequels are dog shit this movie though is amazing here's here's why i love this movie so it stars and this is not why i love it but here's who it stars it, it stars casper van dien dina meyer denise richard jake Busey, neil patrick harris patrick muldoon and the one and only michael fucking ironsides okay <laughs> now I don't love it for the cast because the cast, if you look at this movie, it looks like 90210 is fighting bugs. Okay. Right. But I think well, that's, but that's part of the brilliance of it though. Right. Th this movie. So basically, again, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's, it's set in the like 23rd or 24th century. And essentially the humans are fighting the bugs. The bugs have mounted an offensive 
I believe they blow up. Is it Buenos Aires? I believe they like wipe Buenos Aires off the planet, which is where Johnny Rico and his band of friends are from. <laughs> and I'm and sorry, so, Johnny Rico is the best <laughs> non-porn yeah. name I've right, ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so, because of that, they all join the equivalent of the army. They join the military and they go and they fight the bugs again. Paul Verhoeven is a, is a director that has a very specific, he's got a voice in his movies. He knows the stories that he's looking to tell all of you can look at a Paul Verhoeven film and RoboCop is the other one that springs to mind and you can oh, just yeah. look at it and you know, it's his film, right? Yes, he's, absolutely. They are, they are ultra violent, ultra gory. They are always this kind of dystopian, future mm-hmm. satirical yes but he's but he's playing the, yes the satirical part is he's playing with reality which again in this movie he's got this cast that is just very pretty and very 90210-ish and and we're at the same time they're in this kind of grimy dystopian world I, I don't know. I just, th- this movie kind of caught me at the right time of life. Again, it came out in 97. So it came out when we were in college. I remember going to this movie. I can't imagine it was opening night, but I remember seeing it in the theaters and I couldn't, I couldn't tell you which theater it was. It's one of those that I I watch it. I don't know why, but I watch it regularly. I don't, you know, it's not like I pop in the DVD and watch it, but it's like every time it's on TV, I'll, I'll either watch it to the end uh, record it and then watch it again and those kind of things. So this is one of those, again, not a great movie necessarily, but certainly one of my favorites. I love Starship Troopers. It's based That's on like a 1959 book or something like that. I would, I, one of these days I need to go back and watch, I read, read that book. Cause I, I think I would really enjoy the source material. So I think that's a great choice. I'll admit that I have not seen that movie in a long time, but when I did watch it, it definitely felt like a Paul Verhoeven movie. I think yeah. he, I think that your commentary on that is so spot on that when you watch a Paul Verhoeven movie, you know you're watching one of his movies. I think that Paul Verhoeven has a very specific watermark on all the movies that he does. And this is no exception to that. And I love that you keep calling this the 90210 movie because you realize three of the primary cast members were in 90210. (laughs) You've got Denise Richards, you've got Casper Van Diem, and you've got Dina Meyer. Like, so it's. Well, who was, who was, was I, that was the one that I wasn't sure about was Casper Van Diem. Who was he? I don't remember him. Casper Van Diem played a character named Griffin Stone. And I don't remember who that was, but I have to guess that he tried to bang Donna. He's just got that look. Yeah. He's got that look on his face that he tried to bang Donna. And he's one of the many that just couldn't get it done. But overall, I think that that's a really solid choice. I'm genuinely surprised that it is that high on your list, though, because I don't really feel like you and I have talked a lot about that movie. But I mean, absolutely agree with it. Like it's it's a really solid choice. And it's one that I want to rewatch sometime soon because it's a cult classic. A lot of people like this movie. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and here, here's I think here's how I ultimately ranked my top five. At the end of the day, I ranked it by how many times I've sat down and watched it or rewatched it. And 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 I was just, you know, I mean, clearly it's not nearly as good a film as 
you know, the Inception or T2 or, you know, any, any of the films that we've talked about, but I've, I've probably watched it more than any other film except for my number one. So that's why I put it where I did. I, I mean, I think that's great. And that's the spirit of the list. As we said, this is favorite, not best. Right. And you're probably going to find that out with my next pick. All right. What, uh, what do you got for number two, sir? All right. Well, number two is a uh, James Cameron sci-fi movie, but it's, probably not the one that you're going to expect it's actually 1984's the terminator the terminator i actually have the original one now i need to say this like this is no discredit to terminator 2 because i fucking love that movie and obviously when you talked about it being on your list i gave it as much praise as i could being one of the greatest sequels ever but this first movie to me is one that i have come to appreciate more over time Mm -hmm. i think i think it ages well even though it that that's kind of a funny thing to say because it is very much an 80s movie if i've ever seen one but what i will say is that i i saw terminator 2 before i ever saw terminator 1 which was interesting Mm -hmm. because (laughs) my parents would never let me watch a movie that had nudity in it and terminator 1 has a very brief nude scene in it with linda hamilton So I got to see Terminator 2 first, but I went back and saw Terminator 1. And there's a certain charm about it having been made in the 80s that is just, it's it's brilliant and it still holds up really well. James Cameron, Linda Hamilton, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Michael Bean is in this one. I think that's the big difference. I think Michael Bean added a lot to this. I don't know that I would say he's a great actor, but I really appreciated his character and what he brought to Kyle Reese. Music by Brad Fidel, who obviously scored the second one, may have scored subsequent ones, I honestly don't know. But wow, that Terminator theme is epic. It is so good. It's very different sounding in 1984 than it is in 1991 with Terminator 2. But that's one of the reasons I really like this soundtrack. It's very synthesizer heavy, obviously, in 1984. That was kind of the the sound. I love the fact that they took a lot of the themes from the 1984 Terminator and continued to use them in the 1991 sequel and uh you know again very similar plot epic story about a futuristic dystopia where an artificial intelligence called skynet you know creates a robot army that has already taken over the world and with time travel now possible they send a robot back to kill the mother of the leader of the resistance sarah connor which is kind of interesting because i feel like this movie and the sequel are kind of flipped they probably mm-hmm. should have tried to kill John Connor first. And then when that didn't work, they should have gone back to then kill his mom. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, whatever. I don't think anybody had an idea that this movie was going to be as successful as it was. This was James Cameron's first really big movie. And of course, it was Arnold's breakout role. It was the first time we ever hear I'll Be Back, which was apparently originally supposed to be spoken by O.J. Simpson. He was the lead role oh, for, <laughs> for the Terminator. Which, you know, I... Can you imagine? Can you fucking imagine? Well, I've seen him in The Naked Gun, so no, I can't imagine. <laughs> My God. Because I can't imagine that guy acting in anything outside of the goofiest of slapstick comedies. And and we'll just leave the rest of it alone. And then according to Wikipedia, and, you know, take that for what it's worth, Kyle Reese uh, had a lot of potential suitors, including Sting... Not not the wrestler, but but the but the vocalist Christopher Reeve, Mel Gibson, Matt Dillon, Kurt Russell, 
Treat Williams, which one of these does not belong. Fuck you, asshole. Tommy Lee Jones, Scott Glenn, or in my personal favorite, Bruce Springsteen. Oh Christ. <laughs> who to this day, I'm not sure has he acted. I don't I don't know. Like clearly wow. some I, I don't know. Maybe somebody got into Wikipedia and just started fucking with it because I can't imagine Bruce Springsteen was actually considered for this, but I I think it's super interesting to think of what this would have been like. I think Mel Gibson could have done it really well. I'm not a big Mel Gibson fan, but at that time in that place, he could have really done. Oh, well. I could. Oh, yeah, I could totally. I mean, that's 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 early Martin Riggs, right? Yeah, like, that's yeah. Perfect. Well, that's yeah, bef- yeah that's that's pre-Martin. Well, right around pre- the same time, right? Yeah, and and Kurt Russell. I mean, coming yeah. off of Escape from New York, I think could have been pretty solid. It's hard yeah, to see Snape- him and and something yes. that's not as cheeky, but. Tommy Lee Jones. Oh my God. That would have been terrible. Tom, Tommy Lee Jones is like, he's been the guy that's been 60 his entire career though. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. My first exposure to Tommy Lee Jones was under siege probably. And he was fucking old and under siege right. and he's been old ever since. Great, fucking and, great in that movie though. Oh God, yeah. Oh no. Super, super great. Yeah. But yeah. So, uh, and, and you know, with any other time travel movie, this movie has plenty of plot holes and a lot of, well, why didn't they just do it this way? But there weren't a lot of time travel movies, certainly not a lot of good ones in 1984 or up to that point. But it's, you know, as we talked about, spawned arguably the greatest movie sequel of all time. And so the original 1984 Terminator is my number two favorite science fiction movie. So, so you, you mentioned one of these things is not like the other, right? So, so while while you were uh, while we were talking about that, I would I did some Google foo, and I'm looking at James Cameron's filmography. Right? Uh, yeah, I did so, that too. So I'm gonna so I'm gonna go backwards, and we're gonna play the one of these things is not like the other game. Yeah, sure. Avatar, Avatar: The Way of Water, Avatar, Titanic, True Lies, Terminator Two, The Abyss. Aliens, The Terminator, and Piranha 2, The Spawning. <laughs> I mean, everybody has to start somewhere, right? <laughs> but you got to start somewhere. But here's the thing. Holy shit. Look at that list. With no, the exception seriously. of Piranha 2, like... You don't, you don't have to like James Cameron, but good God, man, you got to respect that, dude. Well, Holy and shit. That's, that's why I think Avatar 2 is going to be a real disappointment for a lot of people. Not because it's a terrible movie, but because right. James Cameron is known for doing fucking amazing movies. He yeah. hasn't he hasn't fallen since the original no. Terminator. I mean, yeah. I, in my opinion, I think, you know, you can say what you want about The Abyss, but it was a great movie. It was a popular movie Abyss. at the yeah. time. And True Lies and Terminator 2 and, uh, you know, the original Avatar, obviously, you know, not my favorite movie, but certainly did very well. Like he has got an impeccable resume. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, you can't say enough about that. You know, it's it's interesting to me that that James Cameron would put. So I think he's in his mid or late sixties, if I had to guess. Right. It's interesting to me that he would put all his eggs in one basket in in the Avatar basket. You know what I mean? Like that, like that just, that interests me that he would like, that would be the, the franchise that he would be like, you know what? I'm going to spend the next 10 years of my life, arguably probably the last 10 years of his, not of his life, but of his like filmmaking career, right? If he's, if he's 
68, 65, whatever. He's not gonna he's not gonna be directing into his eighties, probably. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just kind of interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair point. I guess because I've thought about the same thing, especially after having seen the recent Avatar movie. And I guess the conclusion that I came to was his options are that or to revisit the past, right? Yeah. Because that's what Hollywood does. They rehash the past. I don't think he's going to make another Terminator movie. I don't think any of us want to see Swartz. Has he been involved in, in any movie. of the recent, like, since, like, because I don't even know how many, how many Terminator movies are there? Like, I, I lost. I lost. Is it six? six. I, think I, I don't think I've watched past maybe number four. Yeah. So there are six. There was he involved the in those? It's called, I think, Genesis. He didn't direct them, obviously, but I do. He, no, absolutely did not direct them. He may have had some input into the last one because Linda Hamilton came back for that one, which is called Dark Fate. But no, okay. he hasn't had too much involved in that and he's not going to do it they've been talking about a true life sequel for a long time i think we missed our window with that i just don't see him doing any i i don't see him retreading any of the any of the past from his resume so you know he's he found this avatar thing it did insanely well for him so i think this is sort of his Okay. Sunset. This is his retirement as he's going to invest himself into this world. I think and maybe I read this and I'm not going to claim this as my own idea, but I think that I I understand that he may be interested in revisiting Terminator, but maybe in more of a rebooted oh. fashion, not necessarily bringing Schwarzenegger back to do the same old thing, but maybe like it, which I think is actually really interesting. If we remade the Terminator today, what would that look like? Having had movies about time travel in the past and that sort of understanding where all our plot holes are now. Sure. How would that work? How would that look today? And knowing what we know about technology, which is very different today than it was in 1984, you know, what would that look like? I think there could be an yeah. interesting story there, but I, I would honestly be surprised if we ever see James Cameron yeah. make a non-Avatar yeah. movie again. I don't think it's going to happen. All right. So that all being said, we are to the most anticipated part of the evening. Chewy, give me your number one science fiction movie of all time. And tell me it has Barry Bostwick of in it. Fucking horse. It has Barry Bostwick in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I smell this from a mile so, away. This is a 1982 action movie directed by the one and only Hal Needham of <laughs> Cannonball Run fame. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. That's interesting. Um, this is, like, I could list the people that are in this movie, but it doesn't really matter because you wouldn't know them, with the exception of Barry Bostwick and Michael Beck. Those are and and Edward Mulhair. Um, This is 1982's Megaforce. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now I'm gonna pause the recording to give everybody who's listening a chance to Google what the fuck is a Megaforce. That's that's fair. So, (laughs) so (laughs) Megaforce is the precursor to Delta Force. It's the precursor to GI Joe. It's the precursor to anything that you would consider cool. (laughs) 
mega the best way I can describe Megaforce. So it it is a quote unquote futuristic military force. I mean, I mean, essentially, all jokes aside, they were GI Joe before GI Joe, right? Like they they were this they were this military force that didn't have any government allegiance. That when shit went south on the globe, you called Megaforce and they came in and they took care of business. This is the most wonderfully cheesy movie you will ever see. I don't anticipate this is on anybody's top anything list other than like top terrible movie. <laughs> it had a budget of $20 million and it made a whopping $5.7 million at the budget at the box office. Um, it won, it nominated, it was nominated for three golden raspberry awards in, including the <laughs> worst picture of the year. If you're not familiar with Megaforce, if you've had, if maybe if you have seen this, a clip of this or anything, there's a clip at the end of this movie where Hunter, who is Barry Boswick, who I met and you were with me when I met him and it was like a crowning achievement. I was, I was like a, Oh, Oh, you're going to tell that story. Yes. You're going to have to, so, you're going to have to um, talk about that. But so Hunter is left behind his, the entire mega is taking off and they are in the back of a huge airplane and they have left him behind because the mission is number one. They, you know, and he wakes up and he jumps on his motorcycle and his moat and his motorcycle is able to fly. It's able to, it's the, it's the worst, <laughs> it's the worst green screen in the history of green screen. <laughs> um, oh my God. This yeah, is so good. But I, again, I, this, th this is why these lists are favorites and not best. It's not the best on any list, but I'm not putting this on my list as a joke. Like this is legitimately my favorite sci-fi. I, I genuinely love this movie and I understand that it's because I was six years old when it came out and it just kind of hit me at the right time. And I went to the theater and I saw this movie and then I came home and I wrote my fucking big wheel. And I was like, I'm ace hunter. I'm the best. I'm on Megaforce. I get that. But for this 46 year old, this is my favorite movie, my favorite non star Wars sci-fi movie of all time that's cool and, and to be honest i'm really glad that this ended up as your number one because i mean to be honest with you the reason that we became friends is because i really admired your ability to say i don't give a fuck <laughs> what anybody else thinks i'm not necessarily going to gravitate towards something just because it's popular i'm gonna like what i'm gonna like and i don't really give a shit what people think about it and <laughs> this is the <laughs> golden goose of examples that really prove that point i have not seen megaforce i think you might have tried to get me to watch this i did at yeah, one we were point hammered in yeah, our we five for five days back in college and I honestly don't remember how it worked. I just, I, I don't know if I ever actually watched or finished the movie, but I do sort of remember a really bad uh, CGI scene with a flying motorcycle or something along those lines. But I think the important thing that all of our fans really want to know is what it was like to meet Barry Bostwick at, at a horror hound convention 
and chat him up about all things Megaforce. Most people that know Barry Bostwick know him from Little Shop of Horrors. They know him from what was Spin City. He Spin was City. what? He was the mayor on on Spin mm-hmm. City. I believe so. And, yeah. And and I walked up to his booth and I couldn't give a fuck about any of those properties at all. I wanted to talk to to Ace Hunter. And now I here's the cool thing. I will say this. I'm not the only one that's in that camp because he had all sorts of those megaforce, you know, five by sevens, eight by tens for him to sign. But I will tell you this, like, you know, you, you hear the, you hear the stories about, you know, you never want to meet your heroes because they turn out to be not as cool as you think they're going to be or whatever that saying is. Right. That could not be further from the truth when it comes to Barry Boswick. He was the nicest guy you ever want to meet. I don't know what we, we sat there. We chatted for 10 or 15 minutes. It felt like, like, I mean, we were just, we were chatting about, I was wearing, I remember I was wearing a kill the can t-shirt and he asked me what it was about. And I told him it was about, and like, he was, I think he was telling me his son was trying to quit smoking, whatever. but he, again, he was a genuinely nice human being that was like happy to meet a fan. I got a picture with him. I got his autograph. It was an awesome day. And there is a script for a mega force sequel that <laughs> I actually bought off the internet. So I actually have float floating. Around oh my God. Where I've got a, I've got a script for a mega force sequel. And, oh, in addition to that, I have a, an original mega force script from like 1981 or 82, whenever they filmed this movie, I have that somewhere wow. around as well. But um yeah, I, I mean, again, it's like, I, and I don't even feel like I have to quote unquote defend this. I just, I just, I, I, unadulterate, I love this movie. Hell no, you don't have to defend this. This is your podcast. Yeah. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> no, I, I think that's great. I think it's an awesome story, especially that you got to meet him. I was there with you when that all happened. So I have, I, I have one more, one more thing to add to my Megaforce conversation here. So on my TikTok account, I added, two clips from megaforce one of the clips was the ending scene you know where he flies off and he and he takes off on on the motorcycle at the end and then the other clip was where he says in my opinion the most iconic line of the of the movie where he taps on the bad guy's tank and the bad guy opens it up and he says Hey Ace, I just wanted to say goodbye and remind you that the good guys always win, even in the eighties, <laughs> which is like the greatest, like most cheesy thing <laughs> in the world. But here's the thing: that clip has received over forty nine thousand views, and the clip at the end of the film has received four hundred and sixty thousand views on TikTok. So wow. I'm not the only. I'm not the only Megaforce fan out there is all I'll say. No, there are more. That's awesome. I love it. All right, sir. We are at the time. What is your number one all time sci-fi film? I'm going to sell out on this one. And this is going to be a very popular choice, but I think for good reason. And I still feel good about this. And I, I think that it's the right choice. My number one is from 1985, directed by Robert Zemeckis. It is Back to the Future. I have always had a very, very soft spot for 
movies that have to do with time travel. I just think it's a fascinating concept. And if I were adept at writing on any level that I could write a book or a screenplay, I would try to write something about time travel because I just think it's, it's a fascinating technology, even though it's one that doesn't exist. But this movie was probably the movie that introduced me to time travel because I saw this movie in 1985 when it came out. Obviously, everybody in the world knows this movie, so there's not a lot to review. Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson, Crispin Glover, Thomas F. Wilson, music by Alan Silvestri, who's such a phenomenal composer. What a score this is. It's magic. Uh, he's done so many other things. The Avengers movies, Young Guns 2, Contact. I mean, you could go on and on. You know, everybody knows this is Marty McFly. He inadvertently travels back in time. Kind of a DeLorean. And finds himself in a sticky situation when his mom ends up falling in love with him. Domestically, $212 million on a budget of $19 million. And uh, I, I, what I think is really interesting about this, and I didn't really pull a lot of box office stats in my movies, but the domestic opening weekend for this movie was $11.1 million, which I'm pretty sure Marvel made in about an hour and a half after, <laughs> release, after releasing Endgame. So, you know, it's funny how things change so much it's in that in that time frame. But what, one of the things that I thought that was really interesting about this is that it got only four Academy Award nominations and it won one for sound editing, which is fucking travesty because this is one of the most perfect scripts of all time. Like it's such a tight, well-written script all the jokes pay off, all the references pay off, everything that they drop in the beginning pays off in the end. And it's just so good. It is an absolute marvel of a story. And when it comes right down to it, you know, we talked about Avatar, the second Avatar movie. It, it wasn't a good story. It was a terrible story. No matter what you put into it financially or effort-wise, in special effects, like if the movie doesn't have a good story that pulls people in, it's just not going to work. And this story was absolutely incredible. Also, unfortunately, spawned two lackluster sequels. But at the end of the day, in and of itself, it is a perfect, absolutely perfect standalone movie. Back to the Future 1985. I'm glad this is on your list because... I didn't put it on my list and it's not because I don't love is not too, is not strong enough of a word for this. I, I, I adore this movie. I, I just couldn't kind of slot it in right based on my criteria and those kind of things. But, but I'm, I'm really excited that you put this on here so that we can talk about it. It's an amazing movie and, and you're right. It's, it's, it's like the matrix in that, the original movie is a standalone that didn't need a sequel and probably shouldn't have had a sequel. And then if it didn't have a sequel, we, we would be bitching that it didn't. You know what I mean? Like it's the same kind of that's yeah, that, that same. For kind of sure. Thing. I think the reality is this movie and the Matrix were so good that any sequel that they gave us would have been a letdown. It like they just they just they couldn't never they couldn't worked. top it. But but good God, man, you're, you're right. I mean, this movie was so good. It's so rewatchable. It holds up to this day. 
and you talk about Alan Silvestri. I mean, is, is there a composer outside of John Williams that's better than Silvestri? Like, like, I, I mean, he's, he's in that list, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, him and James Horner, maybe, I mean, you, you've got other composers out there, but like his, yeah. his resume is equally as impressive. You know, when, when you start talking about, you know, portals and like the, all the Avenger stuff, like, and, and I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah going back and watching this movie. And in fact, I watched this probably early pandemic with my boys. It's remarkable how well this movie holds up. And you talk, we've, we've talked a, a couple of yes. times about kind of plot holes in, in, um, in time travel movies. There's not a lot in, there's really not a lot in this movie, right? Like r- from a plot hole perspective, it's like, it, it makes sense. Yeah. Well, the thing about that, that I, that I really like is that, you know, it, when I when I started talking about this, I said Marty McFly inadvertently travels back in time. Yeah. So I, one of the brilliant things about this movie is that it's not about choosing when to go back in time to accomplish some sort of goal. In this movie, Marty McFly does it on accident. Yeah. And he didn't mean to do it. So his goal isn't to go back and do something. His goal is to get back to, well, back to the future, but back to the present, you know, right. re- in reality. So like, that's the, that's the brilliant part of this is that, yeah, you could, you could argue scientifically whether or not it makes sense that this is how time travel works. So back to the future is a bunch of bullshit. But the point is, is that like, you can't really argue much about the decisions that the characters in this movie make because it's all just sort of like, well, I I woke up and, and, and here's the situation I'm in and I got to try to figure out my way out of it. And I, I, I just thought that was brilliant. Yeah, no, no, it's a great, it's a great pick, and I'm and I'm glad it was on your list because it's an outstanding, outstanding movie. It's one that I can't wait to show my kids, but I just don't know if they would really grasp the idea of time travel or what the difference is between the past and the future and all of that. So I think when they get to that point, this will be interesting, even if they don't necessarily have a understanding or respect of what the fifties were. Right? Yeah. When things were very much different back then. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see though, but it'll definitely be on the list. It's, it's such a flawlessly yeah, brilliantly written movie. Yeah. All right. So we're doing honorable mentions a little bit different. We're doing three movies that you haven't seen that you would like to yes. see. What do you got? All right. So I'm not going to be able to talk in great detail about these yeah, movies sure. only because yeah. I haven't seen right. them. Right. So the first one is, a Christopher Nolan movie that has been mentioned in sci-fi circles for a while now. And it's his movie called interstellar. And that is one that I believe did come after the dark Knight rises. And it's supposed to be a really good movie and it's high on a lot of people's lists. Matthew McConaughey, I believe and Hathaway is in it. You know, it's supposed to be a really brilliant movie and a lot of people have seen it. Now it's another one of those Christopher Nolan movies. that's very long and probably a little bit confusing, but one that I have not done a very good job of creating the time to do. So that's my first one. The second one is Mad Max Fury Road. Okay. So that's, it's the latest Mad Max movie, which comes up on all the science fiction lists. Uh, Charlize Theron is in it. I believe Tom Hardy is in it. Visually, it's supposed to be an incredibly impressive movie. And I'm a little embarrassed to say that I haven't seen this movie. It's just one of those ones that, the dystopian type movies are not the ones I tend to gravitate towards. So it 
it takes a little bit of motivation for me to try to sure. get myself to watch these movies. Have you seen either I, one of those? I have not seen either of them. And, and okay. I'll, 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 yeah. And so I almost, I, um, I almost put Mad Max beyond Thunderdome on my list. I haven't seen you, that one either. Really? I haven't seen a yeah. single Mad Max movie. Really? So, so like Mad, Mad Max is an interesting franchise because it's one of these that is like kind of heralded right but if but again to your point if you don't like the dystopian world you're not going to like any of them right you you just not i didn't enjoy the first one at all the first one to me i think it would it was early it was seven 1978 or yeah really early i didn't like it because i came to it i was probably in high school or whatever i didn't enjoy it road warrior i really i liked and then thunderdome I really loved, I came to Thunderdome because of the Tina Turner song. We don't yeah. need another hero. Right. But no, I never, I never, um, I never watched Fury Road and I, I agree. I'm kind of embarrassed too, just because it's got so many accolades. Like it mm-hmm. just, it seems it like a movie we should have seen. Yeah. I love, I love Tom Hardy. I love Sharice Theron, you know, um, but no, I'm, I've never seen either of them. No. Yeah. And then my last one is actually the only comedy on my list. And I've heard a lot of people say a lot of great things about this, but for whatever reason, it just never, it definitely crossed my radar, but it never became a movie that I felt like I had to see. And it's the movie called Galaxy Quest, which is Sigourney Weaver and Alan Rickman. And it's sort of a a satire. Tim Allen, right? Yeah, Tim Allen. Yeah. Spoof of like science fiction shows and things like that. And I, I can't speak anything about it, but I've definitely heard a lot of people say a lot of really great things about this movie. And it's a bit of a cult classic in itself. I've seen that movie. I've seen it once and I couldn't tell you the first thing about it. Yeah. Like, and again, that that's not a, that's not to suggest that it's bad or anything like, you know, it, yeah. it's, it's one of those things, right? Yeah. It just didn't make an impression yeah. on you when you saw it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, those are my three. I came okay. up with a couple. Tell yeah. me what you got on your list. Okay. And, 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 let me prepare yes. to spit the vitriol when when yes. you when you say something inevitably okay. that I don't like. So I've got I've got two that are just going to piss I think are just going to piss you off that I've not seen. Do you want me to start with those or end with those? I, what do you, you do what you do. Okay. I, whatever whatever feels natural okay. for you. So th- these these are in no particular order because again I've not seen. Well, I take that back. I've not seen the first two. I've not, I've clearly, I've seen YouTube clips and the, but I've never sat down and watched them all the way through. How about that? So that's my one caveat. I've never sat down. I've never watched Blade Runner. I've, I've never watched it. I mean, I've seen it. I've, I know the story. I, I understand it's Harrison Ford, Rutger Hauer. I get it. I just never watched it. I think I saw it once and honestly don't remember a thing about it. So I, I tried, but for whatever reason, that one didn't really connect with me either. Okay. All right. And then uh, I never sat down and watched 2001 A Space Odyssey. Same. T- to me, I, like, here's here's my feeling on that movie. I should know who Hal is, which I do. He's this he's this robot or whatever. It just seems like a boring fucking movie. It was from 1968 or something like that. And I realized it's kind of this iconic movie. And I just I've just never sat down and watched it. You know, obviously, it's got it's. You know, it's got some some of the most iconic theme music ever, 
but I'm, I just never sat down and watched it straight through. So, yeah. Yeah. Same. I mean, I, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm not a, I'm not a big Stanley Kubrick fan. I mean, yeah. I, I should say like, there are some things that he's done that I've liked, or I should say the shining. I think that's yeah. really the extent of my Kubrick fandom. I, I'm not, a, a, yeah. I'm not a clockwork orange fan. I'm not. Yeah. I'm just, no, like, I mean, full metal jacket was, was fine. It was good. The first half was amazing. Second half was meh. Yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, you know, what, what's the eyes wide shut and uh, apocalypse now all yeah. of, you know, I've, I've seen those, like it, it takes a lot for whatever reason to really get into some of his movies for me. So yeah, I, I totally understand that. Not that not resonating with you right. either. Okay. Well, I, I was, uh, I thought those were the two that were going to piss you off. So I was I'm oh, actually glad. Good. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one um, that I just kept coming across is, 2014's ex machina oh yes that yeah. that's actually almost ended up on my list because i have not seen that either but apparently people yeah. are raving I mean, about yeah, that movie again i like I, I kept coming across it over and over again and and i don't know if that's i'm trying to think 2014 i, I have a feeling that 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 just kind of hit me at a time in life where i had a bunch of you know a couple young kids and and careers and wife and this that and the other thing and i just like I just missed it. So yeah. Yeah. It's got uh, Alicia Vikander in it. I think is how you yeah. pronounce her name. Mm -hmm. She was in uh, the Tomb Raider movie and Oscar Isaac is in it. I mean, it's, it's supposed to be really, really good. Yeah. It's, it's uh, one that I definitely want to put on my list. Yeah. Uh, again, a, a lot of the lists that I run across, like it was in the top, you know, top 20, top 10, whatever. Mm -hmm. So, and again, I, yeah. I just, I have no concept of that movie at all, but sounds mm -hmm. good. So I'll have to watch it. Yeah. All right, my friend. Well, hey, we uh, we got through we got through our top sci-fi movies, not including Star Wars. Here's what's interesting: Star Trek didn't show up at all. Nah, never not even, that never interesting. Even crossed my mind. Never even I, crossed I, my mind. No, well, I think it crossed my mind. I saw the new J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies, and I they they never they were good, and I enjoyed them. Chris Pine was good. Zachary Quinto was good. Uh, Zoe Saldana was good. I like I like them, but right. they didn't sort of leave an imprint on me that would require yeah. me to put them on this list. So sure. yeah, Star Trek, I would put those newer ones on the list before I would put any of the older ones because I was just I was never a Star Trek guy. Yeah, it was funny. I I know I know. Kind of Wrath of Khan has is kind of heralded as this great Star Trek movie. I, I don't know. I, I watched it maybe ten years ago. It was a decent movie, but it was wasn't yeah. It wasn't great. In my I don't opinion. really remember it. I, yeah. I remember the ear thing. That's yeah. the only thing I remember. Like there was a scene where they put like some worms in their ears or right. something like that. But I think yeah. Anyways. All right. Well, hey, this has been a kick-ass start to 2023. And it's early. In, it's, it's January 5th as we record this, right? So I, I'm going to take a quick, quick peek here to see how many podcasts Oof. we did in 2022. So this would be episode 76, right? This is episode 76. That is correct. So, so we're going to have to really crank some out in order to get through. To get to 100. If, if, in, if we want to yes. get to 100 in this year, we got to we gotta average what? Two a month? Yeah, we got to yeah, do two a month, right? What do you think? So It's, it, it's going to be tough. What I think we may have to do is, well, first of all, we need to find a time to get together in person and 
maybe knock out like a couple of ideas. Oh, that's a good idea. You know, like do it, do it, do a couple of them that we can kind of put in the can or, you know, we'll, so we'll get them see. released. So, so we already know the, the rumble this year is probably out. Yeah. WrestleMania is probably out. It's definitely out. It's definitely. Unfortunately. Out. Out. Yeah. Okay. So that, so that leaves us with May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. Yeah. Right. So we got, we got SummerSlam as a possibility, depending on when that falls. We got SummerSlam. Okay. Yeah. We need to make that happen because first of yes. all, I love to see you like face-to-face. That would um, be nice. S- secondly, those face-to-face podcasts are amazing. They're really They're fun. fun. Yeah, they're really fun. They are. Most of the time, I don't remember them at all because I'm hammered, but they're fun. <laughs> they're fun That's to listen hard. to. How about that? Yeah, they're, absolutely. <laughs> they're fun to listen. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's make that happen. All right. Okay. So- All right. That being said, we will figure this out at a later date. That being said, this has been our top five sci-fi movies, not including Star Wars. My name is Chewy. I've been joined by Pip. This is the 411 from 406. We'll talk to you soon, folks. Thank you very much. Adios. Um, leave that in yeah i'm gonna do that that'll be the that'll be the end credits uh stinger